Hi, welcome to the EU Finance Podcast. My name is Leidas Polovinskas, and we'll be talking about the energy crisis today. When Russia illegally invaded Ukraine on February 24th of this year, it set events in motion that resulted in a world food crisis and an energy crunch in Europe. No surprise, really, as Russia's been using its energy resources as a weapon since forever. This time, Russia is blackmailing all of Europe at the same time. So the EU is doing what it does best, coming together when it counts the most. On 18 October, the Commission proposed a new emergency regulation to address high gas prices in the EU and ensure security of supply this winter. Specifically, in the area of financial services, the Commission is proposing a number of measures covering derivatives, trading, and benchmarks, while preserving the price formation process and ensuring that financial stability risks are contained and adequately mitigated. I got the Director General of FISMA, what I call the EU's Finance Ministry, John Berrigan, to walk me through some of the details of the package. Warning, there are some big words in this podcast, mostly used by me to make me sound smart and knowledgeable. And also, Sean uses a couple of acronyms. ESMA refers to the European Securities and Markets Authority, and ACER, which is the European Union Agency for the Cooperation of Energy Regulators. Okay, let's power this thing up. Hi, Sean, and welcome to the podcast. It's nice to have you here today. Delighted to be here. Okay, let's let's jump right into it. Why did the Commission need to intervene and propose measures in the financial sector regarding the energy crisis? Why is it important to complement the main measures for the energy sector, such as the aggregation of EU demand and joint gas purchasing to negotiate better prices, the savings measures, the solidarity measures among member states, or the market correction mechanism? Well, as you kind of hinted in your question, I just, this is primarily an energy crisis. So it's relating to supply and demand of energy. And so the, the sort of the, the main menu of this package is about energy demand and energy supply. So finding ways to, to improve supply. And in the meantime, because supply takes a while to come online, how to manage demand. That's the sort of the main target of the package. There is, however, an important financial market dimension to this package. And that comes through primarily through the derivatives markets. You know that these energy companies, uh, those engaged both in wholesale and retail activity, use financial derivatives as a way to manage risk mm -hmm. and to give, to give themselves certainty about future pricing, and both for the purchase and sale of energy. As part of that activity, they are required to post what's called margin. This is a sort of performance guarantee, because if you're buying forward, buying something in the future, well, you need to give those you're buying it from some form of guarantee that you're going to actually pay. And that's done primarily by providing collateral and normally in the form of cash. Uh, these energy companies, however, are not cash rich. They tend not to hold a lot of cash. And what was happening, of course, was that as prices went up in the market because the energy market conditions are tightening, they were being asked to provide more of these performance guarantees, so more of this margin, and they were finding it difficult to find the cash to deliver uh, on those margin requirements. And so what we have had to do is to look at ways to ease the pressure on these companies in terms of their delivery of margin via cash collateral by taking a, a set of measured steps. So it's always been clear that what we will do is do something that is meaningful for the energy companies, but is not harmful to the stability of the financial system. 
Got it. Okay, so you mentioned derivatives and margining, um, where you've expanded the collateral eligibility and increased the clearing threshold. Um, the the measures also cover benchmarks with uh, the LNG price assessment as a first step towards a complementary benchmark uh, to the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the gas market and trading with an intraday price spike collar. You said you wanted to adopt meaningful measures that are not harmful for the markets. Can you explain how you found the right balance? I mean, that's gotta be tough. With, with your measures on the intraday price spike color, how do you still preserve the price formation mechanism? Well, it's kind of two things to say here. First of all, to explain a little bit how we've approached this whole pricing question, because there are different parts of the package which cover different elements of the pricing of energy. There is one measure, which is this intraday volatility measure. Then there's a measure which is what's called the market price correction mechanism, and then there is the index. So I'll cover each of these in turn because one is for the very immediate term, one is a, an insurance which might be necessary in the, in the intermediate, and then there's a longer term discussion which is around the index. So in the very short term, what we have tried to do is to not keep put prices up or down, but just to make sure that during the day, around any price trend, there's not too much volatility. So the price is not going up and down too much. There are not so many spikes because these spikes create problems of their own in terms of margining because the banks are, are requiring these companies to hold more collateral because there are spikes, to hold more buffers. So we thought the very immediate thing we might do is try to smooth that trend. So even if the price is going up, we will smooth the trend by avoiding very extreme spikes. And that we will do through this mechanism, which builds on existing mechanisms in markets like circuit breakers and price colors. But this is not meant to interfere with the underlying price trend. It's simply meant to smooth out whatever that trend may be. Let me go down to the longer term, which is the index. The index is there because we want to provide the market with an additional tool for pricing. There, the problem is that the existing benchmark pricing index, which is called the TTF, uh, the, tr the transfer title, the sorry, the title transfer facility. Mm -hmm. This one is no longer fully representative of conditions in the EU market for energy because it's based on pipeline gas. Now, in normal times, and by normal, I mean before the war, um, there was not too much of a problem here because this index was broadly representative of the market as a whole, even though a large part of the EU market does not use pipeline gas, it uses LNG. Mm -hmm. But now, of course, with what has happened in the war and the activities of Russia around pipelines, the pipeline gas price has shot up and there's a discount has emerged between the pipeline gas price and the LNG price. So that index is no longer fully representative of the overall EU market conditions. Mm -hmm. So we will try now over the next months to put in place a complementary index, which will be LNG based, therefore giving a, a better representation of market conditions across the EU. So it's not to replace the TTF, the TTF will remain as the pipeline gas index, but now there'll be a complementary index. And using these two indices together, it will allow pricing to reflect more the, the conditions that actually exist in the EU. So as I said, up to recently, 
there was not much difference between TTF pricing and LNG pricing, but now there is, so we have to provide this index. And that's giving the market a tool to allow it to price better. If in the interim, there is a problem and prices spike, not intraday, but spike on a sort of quasi durable basis, let's say, there is this uh, possibility, which is coming more from DG Energy than from us, I have to be honest, because it's an intervention in the spot market more than our markets, for to correct that price. And that's a similar mechanism to we have for intraday, so that it establish a color, but it will be a more durable, let's say, lim limitation on the price. How do you find the balance? So the answer that you, is with, with care. Because what you don't want to do here is is to fundamentally disrupt the functioning of the market because that will make it the situation even worse. So these, all of these three mechanisms have to be, you know, done carefully, studied carefully in advance, introduced in a calibrated way, so as to achieve the objective we want, which is either to prevent is to prevent spiking in prices and make sure that pricing is representative, but to do all that in a way that ensures that the markets function. And therefore, there are no kind of dislocations, shortages, supply interruptions, etc. Uh, how do you find the balance? You find the balance by finding very expert people who understand the markets, and uh, you set them to work. And that's what we will we are we are doing. So it's a it's a very technical discussion around balance. Mm -hmm. It sounds an awful lot like, I mean, you mentioned that you guys are being very careful. It sounds an awful lot like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, it sounds an awful lot like your um, not imposing anything on the market really, but rather giving the market tools that, that then sort of brings stuff into a natural balance, as it were, rather than, than imposing something from, from on above. Am I right on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably, that, that is correct, in fact. I mean, even on the short-term measure, I mean, we're very clear that this is a measure which is to be implemented at the level of the trading exchange. And that's because every trading venue is different. And it, to achieve the same results may need to calibrate its own approach, specifically to its own conditions of size, liquidity, types of participants, etc. So even on the short term volatility measure, you know, we will be doing this by asking the exchange to do it under the supervision of their national competent authority, mm -hmm. and then in coordination with ESMA. So you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, we're trying to use the market here on the very simple basis that the market knows best how to keep itself uh, in function mm -hmm. while also achieving the objectives that we're setting. So I think that's a very important point that, you know, we are not sort of using a sledgehammer here. We are trying to do this in a, in a sort of refined way that will allow us to achieve our objectives, but not, you know, have any counter counterproductive effects on the market. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, obviously the burning question for, for, for most people in households is, uh, how quickly Will the, the Commission's measures in the financial sector have an impact, at least on the, on the wholesale energy markets, not to mention, of course, you know, people's monthly energy bills? Um, are we talking this winter? Are we talking next winter? Um, are we talking about streamlining the functioning of the financial markets? Or is this going to trigger even bigger changes? I think timing is, is important, as I said, in the first instrument, which is the price volatility instrument, we would like to have it in place by January of this year. So it will be relevant for this winter. The index 
is takes a bit longer. Typically, these this type of work takes quite a while, but we are going to work very hard and very quick to try to achieve it in a shorter than usual time. And the idea is to have that ready for spring of next year, so ahead of the next storage filling season. Mm -hmm. So that would be certainly before April. The market correction mechanism is, as I said, an insurance. So there's no timing on that. It's only if needed that you would use it. And hopefully between the time we have the short-term measure and the index in place, we will not need it. Prices, of course, of energy, of gas are falling now. They've come down significantly from where they were at the end of August when there was a, a real concern. But you cannot assume that it will stay that way. I mean, events happen and we cannot predict in the particular environment we live in whether there will or not be, again, price spikes like we had at the end of August. So that market correction mechanism is an important insurance for those kinds of situations. But there's no specific timing on that because we may not use it at all, or we may, we will see. Now, in terms of it's the beginning of lots of new things, I don't think so. I, I think our view is that we probably have done what we, what we need to do now. However, that being said, I think some of these measures lay the basis for more structural measures you know, over a longer period of time, you know, based on lessons we have learned from this particular episode about how these markets work, the way they're regulated, the way they're structured. And there may be more structural measures that we need to take, but they will take those not through emergency instruments like Article 122, as we're doing now, but through standard you know, legislative approaches involving the council and the parliament, etc. Mm -hmm. But they will, they will come in over the coming years. So I think I foresee today, and you know, I don't have a crystal ball, I, for, I don't foresee any further emergency measures today, but we will learn the lessons of this episode and perhaps take some structural measures going forward. And well, I think you've jumped ahead and answered my last question, um, uh, which was about the next steps, which you, you've, you've pretty much already explained. Um, so if I understand correctly, FISMA and the, the, the commission are happy with, with the measures that they've taken right now. There's no feeling that you know anything really needs to, to, to be jumped on right away because these measures are going to give the market what it needs in order to achieve the goals that have been put forward by you and your team. Yeah, I mean, we're, well, the first thing to say is that we're still working on some of these measures. So the collateral measures are in place, the intraday volatility measure, we're still working with ESMA on that, but that will be in place by January. I think on that basis today, we're pretty happy. Now, something else we're doing, of course, is we've asked the the securities market regulator, so ESMA and the energy market regulator, ACER, to work much more closely together in a more structured way to survey the market, to make sure that the market is functioning the way we think it should function. And I think on the basis of that, of course, if they find issues that arise that need to be addressed, we can always address them quickly. But uh, at this stage, we've not seen any real sign of market dysfunctioning. Uh, we have asked them to to, to monitor that. We've not seen it yet. And in the absence of that, I think we have enough. But of course, you can never say never in these situations. If we find there's a need to intervene again, we will intervene again. But we don't foresee it at this stage. Got it. Well, Sean, thank you so much for explaining uh, all of this to me in such a understandable manner, because as usual, I'm not an expert on any of the subjects that we do our podcasts on. And um, But I got it. I understood what you're saying. So uh, thank you very much. Thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, Adis. 
Okay, here's my take. Russia's war on Ukraine has severe consequences on global and European energy markets. It looks like the next few winters are going to be tough. But the EU's response helps to keep European families warm and industry going. By taking measures now and developing the tools for member states to buy gas together, instead of outbidding each other, the EU is heading into the next heating season with enough gas in storage. In response to the extremely volatile prices caused by Russia's weaponization of energy, the Commission is returning stability to the energy market. The EU's measures are significant for energy operators and energy derivative markets, while maintaining stability in the financial system. These time-limited and targeted measures focus on easing the liquidity stress that some energy firms have faced in meeting their margin requirements and on tackling extreme price volatility on energy derivative markets. All by giving the market tools, instead of slamming it with the proverbial sledgehammer. Russia's brutal war on Ukraine is impacting energy markets with consequences for consumers and businesses, but it looks like the EU is stepping up and finding solutions in difficult situations caused by Russia's aggression. That's it for today. Like and subscribe. Spread the word. Until next time. Bye.